It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Today's sermon is piggybacking off of last week's sermon. If you were uh, here last week, Pastor Steve uh, Morielli uh, shared uh, from the book of Genesis and the book of John uh, to detail uh, God's great work of creation and, and the work of recreation that God has done and is doing in our world. I want to continue to explore the work of a creative God who has not done creating new and great things. Uh, When it comes to creating things, I can't say that I have much skill in this realm. I have had an occasion or two where I have repurposed something that was already created, but let's be fair, sanding and staining and painting are not the work of creation. They are, uh, most of the time, that would be considered finished work that uh, takes place after the creation is done. But it's not like I didn't have every opportunity to create. I took art classes the entire tenure of my high school career. I did drawing, painting, and ceramics, and I put out an assortment of creations that only a mother could love. I know that to be true because I have been to my parents' house and I have seen the creative works that my mom still has and I shake my head thinking, why did you keep this? It's garbage. It's possible, though, that I am just a carrier of this uh, creative gene. You know, uh, sometimes you have the dominant gene, sometimes you have the recessive gene uh, where you don't exhibit the trait. I think I'm a carrier. Um because I might have passed that on to my kids. I want to take credit for that. Um, At the beginning of the year, um, my son Ryan, he was required uh, by his science teacher to create an invention that would solve problems. Uh, Some of the inventions that are are thought of, they address practical, everyday problems, and others may uh, require types of technology that only exist in a fantasy world. They might never exist uh, to actually work. But um, they're still worth thinking about and dreaming about. And um, Ryan, he thought about the frustrations that exist um, with people having to endure with having a portable device like a cell phone or a tablet or a Nintendo Switch um, that dies and having to be tethered to a power supply and a cord. So he set out to create... A Bluetooth charger, an invention that allows your portable devices to be charged wirelessly. And I actually got a picture of his display that he put together. Um, He put together the research. He created a cardboard prototype. And he submitted his design to the Southwestern Regional Idaho Invention Convention. That's a mouthful. Where his invention earned first prize and a trip to the state convention at the University of Idaho in Moscow. In March, he participated in the state convention, and uh, this included having to do a presentation in front of the judges that we weren't even allowed to watch. So, like, he had to be by himself. We, we, 
we, all of the parents that were being with their kids, they had to like stay in this corridor by the elevator, and you couldn't even you couldn't even like look around the corner to see how your kid was doing. Like you had to be completely away. And during that competition, um, he finished third place in the entire state. And I got a picture of of him with his little ribbon that evening. To say to say that we are proud of his creative work is an understatement uh, so much um, that, that we, we want to showcase him a little bit with pictures and, and also partially because he's up at church with his papa and McCall so he can't be embarrassed by that because he's not here today. I just wish that I could take a little more credit for that creative work. Um, I like to think though that our creations, our ideas, they are a shadow of the greatness of God's creative genius. And I think uh, we get a small taste of that in our scripture today. Uh, if you have your Bible, please turn uh, to the 51st Psalm. While you are turning there, let me ask a question. Have you ever been caught with your hand in the cookie jar? Have you ever been caught red-handed? When I am heating up leftovers in the microwave, I always put a paper towel over the top of the bowl. Always. Because I am not cleaning up splatter. I'm not doing it. And the microwave is like a convenient frustration because you do this every time, okay? It always follows a standard protocol. You put whatever you're heating in there, and the outer edge of it is hotter than lava, and the inside is ice cold, always. So you engage in this dance. You heat, you reheat, but you don't overheat. You mix it around, paper towel on, paper towel off. Uh, now you got to add an ice cube because you heated it too hot. And what usually happens is that in the middle of this process, I forget and leave the paper towel in the microwave. The other day, Andrea opens the microwave and she's like, who keeps leaving the paper towels in the microwave? I didn't say anything. I didn't have a chance to say anything because before I could even get a word out, across the counter, sitting in a chair, Jonah goes, points at me. And I'm like, yep, yep, that was me. I was uh, caught red-handed, guilty as charged. In our text today, David has written this 51st Psalm in response uh, to an egregious sin that he committed, and he was caught red-handed. We um, aren't going to get too much into that narrative today, but David's actions uh, were incredibly selfish, and the situation was made worse when David tried to hide up and cover, uh, hide and cover up his sinful actions. It culminated with a plot that ended up getting a man killed. The prophet Nathan, he comes to the king, and he confronts him about his sin, And the following words are how David addresses his sin before God. Our focus today is going to be on verses 10 through 12, but uh, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 12 at this time. Would you please stand to hear the word of the Lord from Psalms 51, verses 1 through 12. This is in the King James. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. 
for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the great work that you do in creating clean hearts. Speak to our hearts today that we might hear your word uh, living in us, and that it might go through us to do your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. This passage opens with a powerful formula for repentance. Uh, David admits his sinful ways. He believes that he needs a Savior to forgive him of his sin, and he confesses to the God who is capable of forgiving his sin. He says, purge me with hyssop. Uh, Some of the translations say, cleanse me with hyssop. And, And the translation of the Hebrew in that phrase is not like, Put me in the wash and make sure you do an extra rinse cycle. It is the, it is the kind of cleansing that you do uh, to your rugs, where you hang them up and you beat them with a broom. That's the kind of cleansing he's talking about. This is, this is a, a powerful cleansing. We'll look at the concept of, of David's uh, confession and his forgiveness of sin in greater detail at the end of our time today. But I want to first focus on a line Uh, from verse 10 of this passage, create in me a clean heart. Our thesis on your bulletin notes that this concept of God creating a clean heart is not simply fixing or repairing or repurposing a heart. Theologian Alexander Kirkpatrick defines the Hebrew usage of create in this way. The word is used of the creative operation of God bringing into being what did not exist before. It is not the restoration of what was there before that he desires, but a radical change of heart and spirit. This radical concept of bringing into being something that did not exist before is the exact same thing that Pastor Steve Morielli talked about last week. Pastor Steve went into great detail in how God made the universe and everything in it out of nothing. And God takes the necessary time, his perfect time, to create and recreate. If you missed last week, you should check it out on our social media pages. And you can hear how the worlds of science and Christian faith work in tandem to tell the story of a loving God intentionally making everything that exists out of nothing. But this God, he continues his creative work in the hearts of men and women right now, every single day. 
So I want to look at the creative work of clean hearts. How does God go about doing the work of creating, creating, creating a clean heart? I can speak today, I promise. I have constructed what I like to call the ABCs of a clean heart creation, which might depict some of the ways that I think God creatively continues his work of bringing into being that which did not exist before, a clean heart, a radically changed spirit. Our first letter is the letter A. I believe that one of the ways that God creates clean hearts is by admonishing our actions. God will admonish your actions. The word admonish is defined in the following way, I believe, to caution, advise, or counsel against something. And our actions are something done or performed, an act or a deed. The Bible is filled with admonitions, with warnings. In Deuteronomy 28.15, God gives a very specific admonition about following his commands and decrees. The Lord says, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, All these curses will come on you and overtake you. This admonition was later emphasized by the prophets, those sent by God to bring warning to the people. I've recorded a portion of this in your bulletin, but this is a full text from Jeremiah chapter 7. But I gave them this command. says, Obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I commanded you, that it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backwards and not forwards. From the time your ancestors left Egypt until now, day after day, again and again, I sent you my servants, the prophets. But they did not listen to me. Or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did more evil than their ancestors. And we find in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, this, this summary of God's extended effort to get his people back on track, to follow his way, and how the people did not heed the admonitions of God or his workers. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, turn from your evil ways. He keeps saying it again and again. Turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen. And they were as stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord their God. Time and time again, God sent out his admonitions, his warnings. He sent out his warnings to correct the people. And time and time again, they did not heed his warnings. This led to the doom of the kingdoms of Israel and of Judah. In our world today, I believe that God continues to admonish our actions. He is continuing to call us back to him. And when we heed the warnings of God, I think we find that we are open to receive the creative work of heart cleansing that God gives. 
This is the radical, creative operation of God, bringing into being that which did not exist before. We have to choose to heed the admonitions of God and receive the clean heart that he creates. The second letter in clean heart creation is the letter B, which stands for balancing our bearings. God will balance your bearings. The word balance is defined in the following way, to bring to or hold an equilibrium or poise. I don't know if you know this, but I have great balance. I can do this for a few seconds. And our bearings are to figure out one's position or situation relative to one's surroundings. The Bible challenges us to find the balance in our bearings by seeking the guidance and direction of God. The 32nd Psalm, verse 8, tells us that we find our way when we follow God. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Balancing our bearings not only helps us to know the way that God calls us to go, it also helps us maintain fellowship with one another. It gets us on the same page. Pastor Les, he preached about this passage at length a few months ago, and I think I bring it up again because of its importance. Here's the first half of 1 John verse seven, 1 verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The gift of God in balancing our bearings is that it helps us to be not only on the same page with God, it gets us in tandem with each other. If we truly believe that Jesus is the head of the church, the head of the body, and we, as each one, are a member of that body with our different roles and our different functions, it is important that we are in fellowship and step with one another. God is continuing to call us back to our proper bearing, back to the course that he has charted out for us. And when our bearings are balanced, we find again that we are open to receive the creative work of heart cleansing that God gives. The second half of 1 John 1, 7 says, And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This is, again, the radical, creative operation of God bringing into being that which did not exist before. We again have to choose to accept the balancing of God on the bearings of our life to receive the clean heart that he creates. The final letter in clean heart creation, I'm going to be able to say that by the end of this sermon, clean heart creation, is the letter C, which stands for Correcting our confustications. God will correct your confustications. The word correct is defined in the following way. To set or make true, accurate, or right. And our confustications are equated to confusion, perplexity, a lack of clarity, or order. I could have just used the word confusion. But I think confustication is a better word. In part, uh, because it appears in the language of the novel The Hobbit. When Bilbo Baggins finds a merry troop of dwarves invading his house, he exclaims out, Confusticate these dwarves! 
If this isn't a prime example of God's clean heart creation, I don't know what is. Our confustications, they lack clarity or order. The Bible shows us that the Lord is the master and the prime originator of ordering things in their proper place. Pastor Steve talked about this at length last week, about the creation account in Genesis 1, where God spoke the world into existence, where God organized the unorganized, where he made clear that which is unclear, where he brought order to the chaos. The Psalms, as well, are filled with praise to the God who brings order to our chaos. Psalms 19.1 proclaims, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaim the work of his hands. Even further, this amazing God, who brings order to chaos, who makes everything we see out of nothing, who has the power to create life and conquer death, this God works to correct our confustications. And he is actually interested in each one of us. Psalms 8, 3 through 4 gives us this powerful insight. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, that's something our kids did this week at VBS, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Not only does he consider and care for us. Not only does he correct our confustications, he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to the world to provide the ultimate creation of a clean heart. Romans 5, 6 through 8 sums it up rather nicely. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for you and me, for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we allow God to correct our confustications, when we begin to see beyond the confusion and the perplexity, perplexity of our lives, we, we can then focus instead on Jesus We find ourselves growing deeper in our love for him and developing the sense of sight that allows us to see from the greater perspective, which is God's perspective. God continues to provide the means to correct our confustications, and this correction places us in front of the opportunity to receive the creative work of heart cleansing that God gives. This, again, is a radical creative operation of God, bringing into being that which did not exist before. We have to choose to accept the corrections of God and receive the clean heart he creates. In our psalm today, David set the example for us in admitting his sinful ways, believing that he needed a savior from his sin, and confessing to the only God who is capable of forgiving this sin. We can follow his example today. These are the ABCs of salvation. First, we must admit that we have sin in our lives. We must recognize that there are sins and shortcomings in our lives that leave us below God's glorious and perfect standard. And the consequence for that sin is death. But we are not left without recompense for this problem. As mentioned above, at just the right time, Jesus died 
for those with sin in their lives. Jesus freely gave his life as a gift to us that we might have an answer for the sin in our lives. The second step is B, to believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that he came to do exactly what he said, that he would be the savior from sin. Romans 10, 9 states that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is the one who reconciles, who makes right our relationship with God through the power of his death and resurrection. We must choose to believe that Jesus saves us from sin. Finally, once we have admitted that we have sinned and that Jesus saves from our sin, we must confess that Jesus is Lord and forgives us of our sin. Romans 10, 13 declares that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. These ABCs admit, believe, confess. They're exactly what David did in our passage today. And as a result of this, I believe that David received exactly what he asked for. A new and clean heart created by the God who is the master of bringing that what did not exist into existence. He can create a clean heart in you today. Paul declares this in 2 Corinthians 6.2. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Perhaps during this time of worship you have felt the call of God on your life. Maybe he is reaching out to you to offer you a clean heart if you are willing to accept it. Maybe you have followed God before, but you have gone your own way. He is still willing to do a great heart cleansing for you today. As we wrap up our service and prepare to do communion, I'm going to pray a prayer that will guide anyone that might want to admit and believe and confess today that Jesus is their Lord and Savior and friend. And I'm going I'm to pray it out loud. If you would like to repeat it after me, you can. Uh, but let us pray right now to the God who can give each one of us a clean heart. Lord God, Thank you for your creative work. Thank you for sending Jesus to the world to be among humanity, to show people how they should live, and to give up his life so that my relationship with you might be made right. I ask today for you to create in me a clean heart. I ask for Jesus to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior and friend. May your loving kindness guide and direct me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.